Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the How oh, Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I want to welcome you to my show. Woohoo! I'm excited you're here. I talk about all things related to sex, sexuality, sexual health, solo and with partners, erotica, and interviews with sexuality experts, people who know what they're talking about about sex. That's who we want to talk to. Today, I have an awesome, amazing erotica author who has a new book coming out at the moment, and her name is Jackie Mojica. And I spoke with Jackie and we had a great, amazing interview. When the Lights Go Out, the rock and roll romance series featuring Damon Pierce and Rainstorm Forest. First book of the series is When the Lights Go Out, where we meet Rain and Damon and follow them through the beginning of their physical and romantic relationship. This book contains graphic sexual situations, some of them depicting BDSM scenarios. So this is a musical rock and roll romance. Check it out on Amazon. Links down in the podcast notes. I'm going to read a little excerpt from her book that is coming out. And this excerpt is from chapter five of When the Lights Go Out. So this is a really amazing book and I hope you check it out. So listen to this excerpt and stick around for the amazing chat I had with Jackie. We had so much fun chatting and I learned some more information about her and her writing process. And it's just always so much fun for me to talk to other authors and what they do and why they do it and where they go and what leads them where they go. It's just very fascinating to talk to other creators, other artists, other writers, authors, all those things. Okay, here we go. When the lights go out. We talk comfortably through dinner, but I notice that as we eat, talk, and laugh, there is a tension building up between us. We share a dessert, and then he pays the check before we head out to his car together. I find that I'm feeling good, a feeling I haven't had around men since I got away from Jeremy. So, from here we can go to the movie or something, if you want. We can head back to my place for a drink, or... I could take you home and I'll give you a friendly hug on your doorstep. And we'll go our separate ways. I look at him with a bit of skepticism. Is that what you want? I ask. I'm giving you the option. He says. I scan his face for a sign of what he wants me to say. I realize I'm not quite ready for our evening to end, but... A movie doesn't sound like what I've got in mind. I think for a moment. We're in Hollywood. Is a movie all there is? I ask. He grins. Well, he says, I think I've got an idea of a place where we could go. If you aren't ready to head home yet. I'm up for anything. A little while later... He pulls his car into a parking lot behind some buildings. The street is busy on the other side of the shops, people walking and laughing. We aren't far from the nightlife on Hollywood Boulevard. He parks the car and turns to me. This place is like a hidden treasure, he says. How they managed to keep it 
running in a secret is beyond me. It's one of my favorite places, though. Okay, I say, feeling excited. I follow him around the corner of the store to the front, and I look up at the sign above the door, Ricardo's Record Haven. A record store? I ask, feeling a little bit of excitement. Ah, he says. I'm sorry if you were expecting something spectacular. Are you kidding? I would love to go in and look at the records, I say. Oh, baby, he says. They have so much more in here than records. Well, what are we waiting for then? Let's go inside. I take his hand and pull him to the door, and to my surprise, he comes along easily. He doesn't even attempt to pull his hand out of my grip. We walk into the store, and it feels almost like a kid in a toy store looking at all the music. The store is quite large, with aisles and aisles of vinyl records. The walls are lined with memorabilia from various musicians. Signs indicate different areas a sign for vinyl, a sign for CDs, movies, and electronics. I walk into the aisles, still holding onto Damon's hand. This place is so cool. I can't believe I've never stopped here. I say as I pull out a record from the slot. It's some disco album I've never heard of, but I scan the cover anyway. Ah, it's a great place. They have just about everything you could possibly be looking for. Uh, They even have cassette tapes, he says with a laugh. Oh, man, I remember cassette tapes. I remember when CDs were a new technology. (laughs) (laughs) We laugh together. Now everything is streaming, he says, moving further down the aisle. I put the disco record down and follow him. We end up in a row of records the store categorizes as classic rock and roll. The shelves are lined with David Bowie, The Beatles, Fleetwood Mac, and so many others. Damon scans them with his eyes. He picks up Fleetwood Mac's rumors and looks it over. My mother loves this record. I can remember being a kid, and she'd play this one in the house while she did housework, he says, and he replaces it. What made you decide to be a musician? I ask. Genuine curiosity. He smiles at me. He scans the records again. Well, my mom had a pretty extensive record collection when I was a kid. She had everything. The Rolling Stones, Zeppelin, The Beatles, obviously Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) He laughs. I grew up with music around me. I run my hand across the edge of the shelf, feeling the smoothness of the wood. I got into rock when I was 13, I say. I'm not going to pretend it wasn't things like American Idiot and whatever the name of Fallout Boy's first big record was that got me introduced to rock. He smiles again and he looks at me with an eyebrow raised. That record was called From Under the Cork Tree. And I guess you are at the right age for it. How old are you? I am 29.
I say, slightly irritated. Not sure how that is relevant. <laughs> he laughs. Calm down. It just means you were introduced to music that was different from what I grew up with. I'm 10 years older than you. The things that were popular when I was 13 are not the same. I consider this. Okay, fair enough, I say. So what was popular when you were 13? He thinks it over. Mostly, it was still the 80s rock sound. I was a little older when we got into the grunge era. Not much. We're moving again in an aisle dedicated to 80s rock. Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, all the big names from the hairband era. He scans them but doesn't pick anything up. It's probably going to sound a little cliche, he says. But there was a time when I'd put on a Guns N' Roses record and dream of being able to tear into a guitar like Slash. He looks at me in the eyes and he laughs. So, it was Slash? What? That made you want to play guitar. Oh, he says. No, I could already play by the time I had dreams of being Slash. Which is funny, because by then, 80s rock was a part of the past. So, what was it? He takes a breath and sighs. My dad left when I was a kid. It's that same old fucking story. Just up and left one day. Left my mom on her own with two kids. Decided when his oldest, me, was five. And his youngest, my sister, was three. That being a father wasn't a part of his plan. He picks up a Van Halen record and looks it over. But I can tell. He's not really looking at it. It's a distraction. Something to focus on to ignore the memory. I saw him again the first time when I was 12. He literally didn't even bother to check on us for seven years. He showed up. Asked our mom to let him be a part of our lives again. I'm sorry, I say. He shrugs. Nah. He says and puts the record down. Nothing to be sorry for. I just remember, after that, my mother wanted us to try to forgive him. She would send us to his place once a month, and he was, you know, by all accounts, kind of a shitty father. I remember seeing music videos on TV and watching these guys just shred on guitar. Mostly, we watched those at my dad's place. When I first picked it up, I don't know if I thought maybe I could make him care about me. Or if I hoped someday I'd be able to throw it in his face. That I was good at something in spite of him. Do you see him now? Not much, he says. He's come to a couple of phantom shows. He likes to brag about being my dad. <laughs> he laughs miserably. Then looks up at me, his expression changed from sadness. Hey, I want to show you something. Okay, I say. He takes my hand and pulls me along through the aisles to the back corner of the store. There is a little cube 
about the size of the phone booths you see in old movies. The cube is black from the draping that hangs inside. What is this? I ask. It's one of the things that sets this place apart from the other record stores. He opens the door and I look inside. It's empty but for a panel with a screen on it. They call it the isolation room or something ridiculous. It's mostly just an area where you can come inside and listen to some of the music. They update the selections every so often. Oh, I say. So you just go inside and listen to music? Yeah, I know. It's simple. I love it, though. Sometimes I can come in here and just see what they're playing and I can think. Okay. Should we go in together? Sure, he says. But it might be a tight fit. That's okay, I say. I step inside and he follows, closing the door behind us. He touches the screen and it illuminates, showing today's playlist. He hits the play button on Prince's Darlin' Nikki, and he turns to me with a grin. I roll my eyes and laugh. <laughs> but as Prince sings about masturbating with magazines, I become acutely aware of how close we are. I can feel the heat coming off his body. I can feel that tension I felt at the restaurant. He runs his hand up my arm, tracing the outline of the lace sleeve on my bicep and across the low neckline of the dress. The song continues, moving towards its second course, and Damon places his other hand on my thigh, moving in closer, his leg brushing against my leg. I can hear my breath, feel my heart moving. I'd really like to kiss you, he says in a husky whisper. I'd really like you to do it, I say, and he wraps his arm around my waist before pulling me against him. He kisses me on the mouth, and I spread my lips to let his tongue in. The hand he had on my thigh moves up under the skirt of my dress, and he grabs the side of my panties. I put both of my hands on his face, drawing him further into the kiss, and I wrap my knee over his hip. I close my eyes, and he pulls my panties down over my hip. I forget for a moment where we are. He skims his fingertips down my belly, and then slides his hand between my legs, his fingers gliding through the coarse hairs that grow there. I feel myself moan against his lips as he pulls his face away. Mm. <laughs> he says with a grin. He begins stroking my clit. The song has changed now to Adelita's way playing Dirty Little Thing. But all I can think about is the sensation, the slight fear of getting caught, and how badly... I don't want him to stop. He kisses my neck, my chest. He frees one of my breasts by tugging my dress down, taking my bra cup with it. He kisses my nipple once before closing his mouth around it, sucking at it. 
My back is against the wall of the little booth, and I'm holding onto his shoulders for balance. I'm getting closer to the edge, feeling my orgasm building up as he moves his fingers against my clit in rapid strokes. Then he bites down on my nipple, covering my mouth with his free hand to keep the sound of my cry muffled. As the sting of his bite travels down in a lightning bolt of heat, rushing straight into my pussy, I tip over the edge and I cry into his hand. My body tenses, my legs shaking, and I feel a wave of excitement rush through me. When it lets up, he releases my nipple and straightens out before dropping my leg down. And he gets my clothes back in their place. My knees feel wobbly. He smiles at me. I take hold of his shirt and pull him towards me, wanting to kiss him, to feel more of him. <laughs> he laughs as my lips crash into his. He pushes me off gently. I think I'd better get you home. Before you get us arrested, he teases. I hope you're all right, with it being my home. I'm still breathing heavy. I didn't bring any clothes. That's all right, he says. I've got something you can wear. Oh, really? Something like what? I ask. He wraps his arm around my waist again, forcing me against his body, his hand on my ass. He looks down at me and grins. My sheets. Well, that is so sexy hot. Oh, wow. I totally want to find out more about what they do. That's a pretty damn hot story. Woohoo! Ah. So damn sexy. Love this story. Okay, I am so excited to talk to Jackie, and I hope you stick around to find out more about her book and her as a writer. Stay tuned for the interview. Hello, everyone. I'm really excited to introduce this author to you. She writes erotic romance, and she writes in other genres as well. And we're going to talk about her books and talk about her writing process and learn all about her as an author. Her name is Jackie Mojica. Welcome, Jackie. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to find out all about what you like to write and all about your writing process. I really enjoy talking with other authors, so I really have fun doing it. I'm excited that you're here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I, I like to, you know, connect with other authors also and then, of share everything you know so it's always fun for me to do these and I'm really excited to be a part of this one awesome that's awesome well I have an icebreaker question and it's about sex is that okay yes sure okay <laughs> what is your favorite sexual position and if you want to tell me why I'd love that too Hmm. my favorite position I guess I probably would say Huh. Probably like from behind, like doggy, because I have a lot of, I have a lot of issues with chronic pain. Oh. And so that one's easy for me to like 
maintain with that. Cause like I, I can do like, I like missionary and stuff too, but it's, it can be really hard for me to keep my legs up because my hips hurt. So. Oh, sure. That makes yeah. sense. Yes. Well, yeah, you want it to be <laughs> a good yeah. experience and fun, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a very common act answer. Actually, a lot of people say doggy. It's, it's quite common. All the authors I ask, a lot of them say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not surprising, I guess. So I would love to learn about your book. Now, when I was looking at, and it's a rock star romance, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a rock star romance about like the girl is like, a fan of the rock band and she ends up in this relationship with the singer. So it was really fun to write. <laughs> yeah. Those are always delicious storylines. I think that whole, that whole rock star theme. So it's called when the lights go out, correct? Yes. Okay. And yeah. people can find that on Amazon. Yeah. It's on Amazon and Kindle and you know, that Kindle so, Unlimited, that good stuff. So <laughs> perfect. Yeah. That's always a nice bonus to have that for people. Is your book anywhere else or do you go exclusive? Well, if you're on Kindle, you probably are exclusive Amazon, correct? Yeah, it's exclusive to Amazon. I uh, have a lot of, it's only my second time self-publishing when I put that one out. And well, I guess it was technically my third, but all of them are on Amazon. And mm -hmm. I um, get overwhelmed with stuff. So I just went through Amazon and did their exclusive thing so that I wouldn't have to get myself worked up. <laughs> right. And you know, the Kindle Unlimited is a very good option. It gives people a little bit of sneak peek and then maybe they'll purchase the book. So, and then you get paid for them to be reading it. So it's, yeah. it's definitely a, a bonus in that way. I know some people go wide, but some people say they just really believe in Amazon and doing the Kindle Unlimited for that very reason. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That was kind of, Kindle just seemed like the right one for me. And I don't really like have any regrets with going with Amazon. So yeah, I haven't yet either. I've heard other people getting kicked off of Amazon, which always scares me, but yeah, I don't know what it is. What is that trigger that makes them kick off some people and not others? I just wish it was a little bit more clear because people get kicked off are kind of like, I don't know why I got <laughs> kicked off, you know? So we'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our special offer, go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, <laughs> Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven or spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. 
And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Yeah, I uh... I have a little bit of, I guess, anxiety about it too. Once I switched my genres, kind of, because when I first started writing, well, my very first thing on Amazon was poems. Like it was like a little poetry collection. Sure. And then my second book, the first full length book I published was about, it was about like drug abuse and domestic violence and stuff. It was, it had a different genre. Sure. Um, and so it was still kind of aggressive, but it didn't have that erotic stuff in it. Sure. And uh, so I didn't worry about that one on Amazon too much. It didn't really sell very much. A couple of my friends bought it. Like, you know, it was not really like a big deal anyway. But when I started writing lights and I was, I knew I was going into this erotic fiction thing. I, I started seeing all these people talking about Amazon, you know, like putting their books in, in the dungeon. And like right. I was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it sounds really like awful. And I was, so I do have a little anxiety about that. I have to try to figure out how to word my descriptions and stuff to like, still let people know what they're getting without it. Like right. getting sent to wherever they send those books. So. Right. Because I think if you aren't clear and then there's more sex in it, then they thoughts and that person might complain and that might be a red flag for Amazon. I often wonder if that's how it happens. Yeah. You know, kind of through that process. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I mean, I've had good luck so far, but it is weird. Like that they just like pick out some people randomly, but Amazon has a lot of weird rules that are very vague. Like, Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And I just hate that they don't let us advertise. Like we can't buy ads, you know, like that's just I think yeah. it's crazy that they'll let us, they'll sell our books, but they won't let us pay for advertising for those books. And it makes no sense because we can, obviously things can be filtered on Amazon for people that are already buying erotica and they could just present it to those people. But Right. Yeah, always... it, is, it is super weird, but man, like that, self, that promotion is so hard. And then, you know, without, I don't really have a lot of a budget for ads anyways, but Right. Even the little bit that I do, like I can't really do it through Amazon, which would be the best place to be able to advertise. Yeah, it would be. I know. And it works. I mean, that's the drawback is that as erotica authors, we don't have access to that. And that really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so other people can find you on, let's see, you're on Facebook, right? Jackie Mojica Writing. Yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram under that name, Jackie Mojica Writing. And then I'm on Twitter under J Mojica writing because Twitter's character limits. <laughs> yes. So I know. Yes. It's good to keep them similar. I know some of mine are not the same and I'm like, eek, but it's hard to change it once you, once you have it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to keep them similar too for the you know point of, you know, I'm trying to like, I'm an up and coming indie author. I'm like, if I have all these random names, nobody's ever going to find me anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. For <laughs> like branding, it makes the most sense to keep them the same. Yeah. <laughs> so people can find you and it's easier for them to find you on the different platforms. Yeah, so, exactly. 
So what brought you to writing erotica? What was it that that was that little trigger for you that you were like, ah, I want to write this? You know, I don't I don't know exactly what it was. It was kind of like a process over time. I started out writing like fan fictions about rock bands and stuff. And some of them would have like some of the innuendo like stuff in it, like but I was really not comfortable writing sex scenes like graphically or in detail, like they would be kind of muted. Like they would, they existed in my stories, but they weren't detailed. Sure. And um, over time, as I got a little older and got a little more experienced, I, you know, started writing a little bit more, like a little hotter of scenes, but they still weren't really erotica. And then, um, I went through a period after a really bad like breakup where I was had really bad writer's block. I just really couldn't write anything for like a couple years. And when I started getting back into it, it was like this old fan fiction that I wrote and I started like reviving it. And as I was doing it, I just kind of got more and more interested in writing like more graphic erotic scenes. <clears throat> and then I decided finally, like, I was going to try to self-publish again because my other book was kind of a failure. And I knew that people were more interested in things like romance and sex than, than, like, this really sad story that I had put out originally. Right, sure. And and then I guess I kind of thought about, you know, some of the success stories that are out there. and, And I was, by this point, I was already writing erotica for myself and my friends. And uh, I was like, well, I'm just going to write like an erotic romance and see what happens. And it was really fun to write because there's a lot of personal, I guess, aspects in this series that I'm that I'm writing the lights books. So it was pretty fun to like put that little fantasy out there, I guess. But it was kind of a process that got me to where I was comfortable writing those kinds of books. Yeah, I can totally understand that. And you said this is a going to be a part of a series yeah it's a series it's gonna be a trilogy so the second book is almost done I'm just oh, like nice. in revision right now it's coming out on april 19th oh I'm really nice excited. i'm like super stoked yeah that's awesome it's nice to get to that point isn't it it's just it's 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 all a process but it's nice to get to the point where you're getting close to yeah yeah What's your favorite part of writing, the writing process? I know I've actually talked to some authors who love the editing and I'm like, oh, no, no, I hate the editing. It's like my know, least favorite I, part. <laughs> yeah, no, I hate the editing too, but I kind of, I'm like, I like the, the first draft, but I, I like the second draft better, I think, sure. mm-hmm. because the first draft is really loose. And then in that second draft is when I can make it coherent, kind of like yeah. tighten it up and and stuff like that. I don't like editing. Editing's awful. Like, I'm just like, I'm at a stage with, with my second Lights book right now where I hate it. I'm just like, I hate this book. Why did I write this book? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I agree with you. After the second editing, I'm just like, just, it's a chore to yeah. go through it like a third and fourth time or, you know, whatever you end up going through it. But yeah, it's after that second time, I'm just like, oh, it's just like gritting your teeth and you got to yeah. force yourself to do it. Yeah. And I, I'm really like struggling because I think I've edited about nine chapters now. And there's 
either going to be 25 or 24. I added a new one, but I'm not sure if I'm going to leave it in there. Sure. Um, and I, uh, on like chapter 10 and I'm just like, I can't do this. Cause it's, it's like, it's like the minor edits, like taking out filler words, like, and, and, right. the, and then, and like words that don't really make the sentence like, like it's stronger without it. So yep. I'm like, I would rather dig my eyeballs out. <laughs> oh, I know. And looking for commas. And if you missed a quote or whatever, it's just, yeah, yeah it's painful. <laughs> it is. It's awful. So, I mean, I- appreciative of all parts of the process but and then also I'm I'm still learning like the like industry stuff so like with the first lights but there's a lot of like I'm gonna have to go through that one again too at some point because there's a lot of those filler words a lot of dialogue tags that are not necessary like Mm, right yep and so I haven't gone through that one again because I by the time I finished it when I put it out I was done I was like if I have to read this book one more time like I'm gonna <laughs> set my computer on fire yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like okay with this one I'm, I'm working on cleaning up a lot of those issues that I had with that first book but then because I'm still learning so much I'm like I'm sure once I put it out there like everybody's gonna point out this thing that I didn't do right, right. yeah people are real quick to point out the errors aren't they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that is the way it is. Now, do you use any programs for editing or anything that you do to help you in that process? You know, I really don't. I just kind of type it in Word. But the first book that's out already with When the Lights Go Out, I had a friend who did some minor editing for me and just kind of trusted her, I guess, in doing it. And I, I'm so appreciative of like the help that she gave me, but it wasn't professional editing. It was just like, sure. she was, she liked to edit stuff and, you know, she helped me out a lot with that book. And then the time that I wrote that one, I really couldn't afford like any professional services. Like, so it, it suffered a little bit. Like there's a lot of stuff in there that would have been cleared up if I'd have had a bigger budget. Sure. Um, and it's probably going to be the same with this one. I do have more help with this one, but I still don't have a huge budget. So, Right. Well, I think any kind of beta reader helps you. I, even if yeah. they're not a professional editor, they're still going to help you out in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so thankful for people that beta read for me because my books for even the flaws that they still have would be a thousand times worse if it wasn't for my betas. Right. Oh, yeah. I think they're definitely paramount for everyone who is a writer? I mean, it's just, you need someone to bounce it off or, you know, they might see something that you didn't see, or even just even as simple as a misspelling, you know, it's like, yeah, it's valuable typos or anything. And then, you know, like sometimes they're, they do a lot of, they help a lot with like developmental ed- editing too, because I have this tendency, I'm not much of a plotter. Like I just kind of oh, go sure. for it. Uh-huh. And so I have a tendency to sometimes have these, these like passages of detail that just really don't, matter that don't really like contribute to the story or 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 confusing and so like I've had a lot of help from betas being like this is unnecessary or this can be tightened up <laughs> right, Stuff like right. That because I have a real hard time seeing it myself even when I go through and like revise I you know I read my story and it's like this thing that I created so it's really hard for me to be like no I'm gonna take this out like yes <laughs> absolutely and I always think of it's like they're getting me out of my head because yeah. you you know the story's in your head but someone reading that is not in your head so yeah it kind of just helps with that yeah it does help with that too and in the same way of t- telling me what parts to take out I've had help 
knowing what parts to put in because somebody tell me like they'll read a, a piece of dialogue and they're like, what is this about? Well, in my brain, I knew what it was about. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're definitely helpful. So what's your favorite story or character that you've created? My favorite story or character. So I have, well, my favorite character, I have a couple favorite characters. So my main character's love interest and in when the lights go out, Damon is probably my favorite character. And that's because, in lights, right? Yeah, in lights. So I created him and he's kind of loosely based off of somebody like a real a real musician that I kind of have a pretty bad crush on. Mm. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so when I first started writing him, there was like mostly just the similarities to the real person. And, you know, cause I was trying to just kind of get this base started to go off of. Sure. And then as I was actually writing and like learning him and figuring him out and stuff, he became a lot more complex than just like the rock star like guy or whatever. And it was really, really interesting for me to be able to create him and kind of get to know him as a person, even though he's fictional. Right. Like, <laughs> all of my characters are real to me. Like, yes. And so it was really interesting to get to know him. And then in, in the first book, the first book, it's all told from Rain's perspective. So okay. it's just it's just her story. But in this in the sequel that's coming out, it does switch. Like, there's alternating perspectives so oh, it, sure. starts with, it starts with rain but then I do have chapters in Damon's perspective which was really cool and interesting to write just to kind of get to know him like that right. so he's one of my favorite characters and then another one of my favorite characters he's an original character that I made up but when it was when I was writing my fan fiction stories mm. so he he actually does appear in the second lights book because I just loved him so much that I had to like transplant him a little bit sure um, but his name is Doug and he's like a tattoo artist and he was actually supposed to just have like one chapter like in the fan fiction and he ended up being in like six stories as like a supporting character ah. <laughs> he's just so fun and energetic and kind of like very like loyal to his friends like to the point of like where if they're like in danger he he like put himself in danger to help them like sure sure so he was super fun too so those are probably my two favorite characters as far as favorite stories go I don't know that I could pick one I kind of they're all my babies (laughs) I know oh I totally get it it is hard to pick that I know and I think it almost like can change too you want like more than another but not yeah but it's still hard to pick (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Right, I totally now, agree. Like, right now it'd be easy for me to say like, well, my light stories, but they're what I'm focused on. So, right. you know, later it could be a different one. So it's hard for me to be, but I just, I love them all. Like and every story I've ever written, even the bad ones, like helped me get where I am. So. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. The more you write, I think, I think that's true of everyone. The more you write, the better you get and more you realize things about yourself and about your writing and how to get your word across and your story across. Yeah. Yeah. So how long have you been writing? Are you one of those people that wrote as a child or did you pick it up when you were an adult? Um, I started writing, excuse me. I started writing when I was, well, the very first thing I ever wrote, I was like eight or nine. And it was like a story about a cat with a long tail. I don't remember the story anymore, but it was like a children's book that I wrote when I was like eight. But I started writing 
a lot or like kind of more seriously, I guess, around 12. Sure. Yeah. So I've been writing for a really long time. Yeah. I feel like it's very common. Almost every author I talk to says that they did some sort of writing as a child. Yeah. Yeah, Which is interesting. Yeah, it is. It is interesting, I guess. But I've always had like an crazy imagination. Like I had imaginary friends like when I was a kid and I had these whole like storylines, like a soap opera with them and stuff. Sure, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Imagination is important if you're going to be a writer. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Nothing <laughs> you want to have anything to write or talk about if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be not. You have to do nonfiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have find that you have to do any research for your writing, or is it something that you just kind of draw from yourself? I do always do quite a lot of research when I'm writing things that I'm planning to put out into the public. Things like some of my fan fictions that like just literally wrote for like me and one friend that read them just for fun. Like I didn't do as much research on stuff on those ones. Mm-hmm. But like when I did Save Me, my first book, you know, there's a lot of like drug abuse and, and stuff in there. And I, I did like years of research to like that book took me a really long time to write. I wrote it over like a 10 year period because I wrote like a really short story and then it developed over time. Sure. So that there was a lot of research that went into that one. And then when I finally did publish it, it wasn't perfect, but it was it's such a sad book. And it's like from such a dark place of my life that I couldn't bring myself to go through it anymore. So I just uh, did the best I could with it and like put it out. Sure. With When the Lights Go Out, I didn't do as much research, like extensive research as I did with Save Me, but I did do some amount of research because there's some elements of like BD, BDSM relationship. Mm. And where I'm like interested in BDSM and like it kind of like is arousing to me. I've never really been in one of those relationships. Sure. So I had to learn like because when I started writing it, I was like, I'm not trying to write like a book that's going to put BDSM in a bad light. Right. Exactly. So I wanted to make sure that I was doing the best I could to be accurate and clear And I tried really hard to like research things and like read blogs by people that live in that lifestyle and, you know, safe, like safe practices and stuff like that. So I did do quite a bit of research in that aspect for lights as well. Yeah, you want it to be accurate and believable. And yeah, you you don't want to cast a bad light on it. I mean, it already has a lot of bad light from the public in many ways. So yeah, you don't want to contribute to that. I totally get that. Yeah, exactly. And then I I had like I had a little goal in mind when I started writing these books and it was like if I could just make sure it they're better books than you know a, a specific very popular BDSM trilogy. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've I've made it. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that the truth? I know yet how popular that is. It's really quite interesting, but yeah, accurate and not so much. Yeah, yeah. And when I read the that series of books, you know, during its big height of fame, I was just like, I remember back then even being like, I could, I could write these better. And I didn't even write erotica yet. Like I wasn't even, I wasn't comfortable with that at all. And I still was like, I could have done this better. (laughs) (laughs) I know. In fact, I have actually not even read them or watched the movies because so many people say it's written so poorly. And so I'm like, well, then why would I read it? 
Yeah, I didn't. Re- I didn't watch the movies. The movies weren't out yet when I read the books, sure, and, sure. and there was like so much hype. Like they were such a yes. big deal. And so I read them to see what everybody was talking about. Like I was expecting these, like you know, great sexy books. And then the there's, I don't really believe in like the feeling of there's too much sex. Mm-hmm. Those books had too much sex. Like physically, yeah. like people wouldn't be able to have sex that way. <laughs> it would hurt, you know, after a while. Right. <laughs> and then they weren't, it wasn't hot. Like they weren't hot sex scenes. There was just a lot of, and it was just, they were just really, it was really bad. Yeah. I kind of feel like that made such a splash because people were intrigued by the idea of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, it created a stir. And so that's the interesting piece is that people were so interested in that and alternatives. But yeah, it casts such a bad light and it gives a wrong impression. I mean, I have obviously haven't read them, but yeah, everybody says it gives a wrong impression of the lifestyle. It's not accurate and all that. Yeah, I mean, it really did give a terrible impression of the lifestyle. And it's very like, almost like abusive, like the way it's yeah, I heard that. It's not supposed to be abuse. It's, you know, supposed to be consensual and like enjoyable for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, it's the furthest thing from abuse. And the funny thing is most people don't understand. It's actually the subs who who is in charge. It's not the dom. Nothing happens to the sub that the sub does not want. And so many people don't get that. And people don't get that. And people think, oh, that's abusive. And so, yeah, it just, it propagates a, the wrong image. And I know people get really fired up about that. People who live in that lifestyle just get really fired up about that. And I understand why. Yeah, I do too, because, you know, I don't have a lot of relationship experience at all. And I definitely don't have any um, experience in that sort of dynamic, but I've always been pretty aware that, because I I am like pretty submissive, but I also was always aware like that it was my, what I wanted to do. Like, (laughs) I guess that makes sense. Yep. yep. It's all about consent. (laughs) Yeah, it's really frustrating that they're like people out there like believing that it it's like some person being taken advantage of like or oh, something yeah. like that. And it's not supposed to be that way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We don't want to propagate that bad, incorrect portrayal of the yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried to be really like careful when I was writing lights because it is a, a you know, Dom sub dynamic, but it's not like extreme I kind of kept it a little bit like of a mild BDSM dynamic because I I don't know a lot about it from personal experience so I wanted to be really careful but I did like have like it is very like consistent that Damon is always like strict about consent like right (laughs) yep So what would you say is your definition of success as a writer? So I guess when it's changed a lot, but when I first started trying to like get out there and it probably still a little bit is I would like to eventually be able to make a living writing. But like, as far as success goes, I don't really like, I used to want to be like super rich or something. And now I mostly just want people to enjoy my books. Like I would like to have somebody someday, like, tell me that I'm their favorite author or that they enjoy my books. Like I had somebody tell me the other day that When the Lights Go Out was one of the best books they ever read. And I was so happy. Like it made me feel so happy because I put a lot of work into that. (laughs) Right. And 
it was really like refreshing or like wonderful to hear somebody say they really enjoyed it like that much. Like it was the best book they ever read. And um, so I think success to me now has changed from like being Stephen King to just like being able to make a living and have people enjoy my stories. Yeah, I think that's a great, great way to look at it. Totally. And just to impact even one person is just like that. It's just, it's huge. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's so like, it's, it's like the reason I I decided to put my work out there because it's not really the reason I write. I write because writing is just part of who I am, but decided to share my writing so that there could be people out there that would love it and enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we all, all of us who desire to write and write, have a voice to share and we have something important to say, and, and we will find someone who likes it eventually. It's just the big key is to not give up. Yeah, you'll find your audience eventually everyone will because you know you just can't give up yeah I do like have days where I'm just like why am I doing this (laughs) (laughs) I get it (laughs) always like try to keep pushing through because like I also have a lot of mental illness issues like I have bipolar disorder so sometimes like Mm -hmm. I just have to remind myself like that is my stupid brain lying to me (laughs) right you know and there are things people I've talked to also that have been doing this even longer than I have they say the more books you have the better so that's another reason to keep going because in that you know eventually it can start to snowball and if you have more books and someone likes your book then they may try another one of your books so and if you have a whole bunch of them then that can continue you know so having a backlog is important backlog of books yeah which takes a while to get there but (laughs) yeah it does and especially because I know like people that put out like two or three books a year and I just because of my bipolar issue and and some other like just life stuff, I can't write that fast. It takes me like a year to write a whole book, like right. and get it ready to put out. So if I can put one out once a year, like that's a big step. And then I do like I did put out a little short story last year because when the lights go out came out last February. It's it's about a year old right now as far as like publication because it's obviously much older than that. Like. Sure. And um, in reality, but I put out a little short story last October as well. That was like a little horror story. I put it out for Halloween and I can, I can manage those on top of like a novel, but I can't manage like multiple novels in in a single period. Like I'm working on a other series right now. That's not, I haven't decided if it's a romance yet, but it's a vampire, like paranormal romance thing. And that one's kind of been put on the back burner as I'm finishing up my second lights books. So I can only focus on one thing at a time. Sure. And that one you said will be a novella, like a shorter um, book. The vampire book is going to be a full novel. Oh, I, okay. am, I am planning a little novella that's going to be a horror story about like a witch. It's not going to be a romance at all. And then I'm hoping that I can get that one written and put out this October. Sure. Because it's going to be much shorter. But the other vampire book, I was going to try to put it out this year, but it probably will not make it because I have too many projects. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It gives you lots of stuff to do in the future, right? You won't be bored. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always a good thing to have a lot of things you want to do. I mean, it's kind of it's a little bit overwhelming too, because you want to do it. You want to get it done. You want to get it out there, but it also yeah. gives you, you know, things to work on in the future. So that's a yeah, good thing. Yeah, it does. Too. And I have to like try to remember that I I have forever. Like I don't 
Right. Especially as an indie author, like I don't really have deadlines except for the ones I set for myself because I, I have a really bad and kind of like habit of being impulsive. Hmm. So I'll like dive right into this book and then be like, wait a minute, I have this other one that's supposed to be coming out <laughs> in a month that I need to finish. <laughs> sure, sure. I get that excitement too. I get like, yeah, I got to get this. I want to work on this now. But <laughs> yeah. So, so what's a typical writing session for you? Do you have like a certain, I know some authors have a certain number of words they shoot for every day. Some try to write every day. Some don't. Some like music, some like a drink or a certain food. Do you have any like routines that you typically do? Sometimes I listen to music, but I ha- I found that I can get easily distracted because I'm very like passionate about music. Mm. So like if like a song I like comes on, I just that's it. Like that's the only thing I'm thinking about for like three minutes or whatever. So <laughs> right. Yep. Um, if I write with music, like I've been doing my revising with music on because I don't have to focus quite as hard. Sure. So for like revision, editing, stuff like that, like I'll I'll usually have music on. I do like to like snack when I write, but I'm trying to knock that off because I need to like get a little healthier. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I get it. <laughs> and, and so I'm trying to like knock off the like chip eating when I'm writing. I don't really do word counts or daily like goals like that. My word count doesn't really matter much to me. I didn't even realize that word count was like a thing until after when the lights go out was finished. Oh, okay, sure. So it's pretty long, I guess, for the genre. Like that's what I kept hearing. Like it's really long for the genre because it's like how many words is it? It's like a hundred and I think it's like a hundred and seventy-five K about. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. So it's pretty long, but I didn't really know that romances had like a typical word count when I wrote it. Sure. And so the the new one is shorter. It's about 65,000 words. Okay. Yep. Um, and then the third one will probably be shorter also. Right. Uh, but the first one is pretty long for a romance. I just didn't know it was supposed to be less than that. So I never like thought about word count until I was trying to like find editors and stuff. Sure. And my word count was like 200,000 words. And they were like, yeah, that's going to be like $2,000. And I was like, never mind. Oh. <laughs> Yikes, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> myself, but thanks. Yeah, that's painful. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I don't really set word count goals and I don't write every day. I actually got myself pretty worked up last year when I was writing the first draft of Heat of the Lights, my sequel. I was like, because I, I was new to like the Twitter writing community and Facebook writing communities and stuff like that, which I found like, honestly, the Twitter community is way nicer than the Facebook community. Like those oh, people yeah. are savage. <laughs> like, I know, right? It's true. Yep. And uh, But on Twitter, like people were generally helpful. Yep. But I would get myself kind of discouraged because I would see like these people on Twitter, like, oh, today I wrote, you know, 1500 words or 2000 words. And I'm, you know, I did all this and I'm like, today I laid in bed and did nothing. (laughs) Right. I get it. Yeah. I have a busy life. If I'm not, you know, laying in bed, I have my house is always a huge mess and I'm always trying to keep up with the disaster in my house. (laughs) I'm always trying to keep, I have two cats that are both 
you know, they're sweet, but they're cats and they're buttholes. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. Yeah. I live with my teenage sister. So, I mean, she's a teenager. Like there's like stuff going on and I, I don't work right now, but I, uh, usually have a job. I just had some issues last year, so I'm not working right now, but you know, it's like, I have so much going on in my life. And then on top of that mental illness and physical chronic illness and all this stuff, like I, if I write every day for a week, that's really like saying something. <laughs> so, right. Sure. So I don't always, I don't have those kind of goals because I just set myself up for failure. Sure. Yeah. You, once you, you learn yourself and your writing process and what works for you, then you do what works, you know? It's- yeah run into so many different people that say things, you know, and, and I find it hard to write every day. Like I know some people do that every day and it's, I think it's really hard to do that. I don't think it, I think it's a great goal, but I really don't make, make it to do that either. Yeah. It sounds like a great goal. And like, I'm, I'm glad for the people that are able to do that, you know, and if it's working for them, that's awesome. Like I, I'm glad it is, but it's just, my life doesn't let allow me to make a goal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I get it. What's one thing that you know now that you wish you had known when you first started writing erotica? One thing that I know now. Hmm. I mean, we've touched on a few of them, but there's anything else you can think of? Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't think so. I guess I have to kind of remind myself that it's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right isn't that true mm-hmm. it's not for everybody and, and since I don't write like strictly erotica like I have the romance it's like a romance book with graphic sex like rather right. than like heaving bosoms or whatever they call it right um, I, I you know I have to remind myself like some people like I haven't had a lot of complaints because I try to be clear especially on Twitter and stuff where I'm doing a lot of my promoting like what kind of book it is right but I, I have had like I have this one person and she's a she's my mom's friend's aunt. Like so she's not really like related to me at all. And she's not really like a friend of mine, but she is somebody I know through friends. Hmm. Uh, and she has been like the most supportive ever of, of these books. Like she just is so sweet. Like if I could have a million people like her, like that could be my fan base and I'd be perfectly happy. Oh yeah. It's so great to have that kind of a supportive person though. I know what you're talking about. And there's just some people that, you know, if you find a person like that, that's so valuable. Yeah. And she was, she's so sweet. She always like comments on my posts on Facebook and everything about the book, but she did read the first one and she did like leave me a little review on my Facebook page. And the only complaint she kind of had was I could have done without quite so much of the kinky sex oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so I was like oh I mean that's fair she's a little bit older and yeah it makes sense so yeah yeah yes you got to develop a thick skin and you got to realize you're not going to please everybody and not everybody's going to like your work and that's okay I mean you don't you know as ourselves we don't love every single book we read or every single genre so i try to take that into account when i see you know someone doesn't like something or whatever like well i don't like everything either so yeah you try to did have to learn that a little bit so i guess not necessarily just erotica but like writing in general that's one thing that i guess i could say i wish i had known when i started i uh 
I have a hard time with criticism, I guess. And then I had to kind of learn to like, let it roll off my back a little. I knew that not the book wasn't going to be for everybody because it's got like a lot of sex. And then it's also got the whole like rock star fantasy element, like, you know, things that, that I knew weren't going to be for everybody. Right. But I had a couple of people criticize my main character a lot in, in the reviews. And it was like, well, she's just too insecure. She's too whiny. She's like, and I was like, well, I mean, I drew a lot of that from personal experience to create that character. You know, she's like, she's a plus size heroine, I guess they call it. And she's like coming out of this past abusive relationship. So she does have like a lot of insecurity and the, the like hang up she's got in this, the first book is like, she's scared to get involved with somebody again because her last relationship was so like traumatic. And, um, I got a lot of criticism for that. Like a lot of people were just like, well, she's just too insecure. She's too whiny. I, I didn't care about her. <laughs> Hmm. Interesting. I was like, I don't know, like saying they were, well, she's too concerned with her weight. Well, I've been fat my whole life. And like, I, I, I have those insecurities because of how I've been treated by people. Like, right. So it's like, I just felt like she was very real instead of like, I know people like want to read books about overweight women who are like, ultra confident and like don't care right. what anybody says and and like those are all well and good too but there is like a whole like reality of of that life where it's not always like that where you're not always like I don't give a shit what you think <laughs> yeah I think that's kind of a silly criticism on their part I mean that's a real character that's like a real yeah how can you how can you badmouth something but the other way to look at that is you also that character got under their skin enough yeah. for them to talk about it. So that's a success in and of itself. That's true. Yeah. I know <laughs> I didn't really look at it that way, but like, that's a really good perspective to have on it because I do remember being kind of hurt by it because I was just mm -hmm. like, I mean, she's so real to me. Like my characters, I don't really strive for like perfection with my characters because that's not realistic. Like right. I want to create people that are real, that are relatable, even demon who's a rock star, like he's wealthy and he has all this success and stuff, but he's not perfect. Like he's got his own past relationship trauma and his own, like, I mean, and it does manifest the same way hers does, but it, he still has like these experiences in his life that make him who he is, like, right. or like make him feel the way he does about stuff. And I was like, people have experiences that create, you know, like kind of, aspects of their personality and I wanted to create people who were relatable that you know you could read and and see like how they're just people like like you or you know whatever so yeah I, I think was that's... a little hurt when people were like didn't like rain because she's insecure about our new relationship after she just got out of this terrible relationship and the ex the ex-boyfriend's still stalking her like throughout the book so <laughs> it's it's almost like weird criticism. Like, what do you want? You want like, you know, fake rainbow <laughs> characters that are like, you know, cookie cutouts? No, yeah. you want a real character has real issues. And so I think that's really kind of silly and dumb at criticism of a work. I just don't get yeah, that. I, I agree. And then especially like with Rain, because she's she's 
you know, got a different body type. I try to make a body positive story, like where, you know, she was like still like successful in her life and stuff because like there's so, so much media out there where like heavy people are like the butt of the joke or right you know like they don't get they can't get the hot guy because they're fat or you know like just really stupid stuff and so I was trying to create a body positive book but still like touch on the fact that somebody especially she's going into a relationship with somebody who's in a public eye like she's about to get hit with criticism like right you know it's something that you have to consider as as a heavy person existing in the world like we try so hard to make ourselves smaller so that people just like don't mess with us. So like, I can't imagine getting in a relationship where potentially somebody like the public was going to be looking at me. Like, Right. Right. There were a lot of things I was just kind of like, I don't really know. Like, I don't really know what you're talking or like, not necessarily what you're talking about, like what you're expecting. I had, you know, these people leaving reviews that were like, well, like, why isn't, why can't she just be confident and just like own her (laughs) body and this and that. And I was like, well, she does she does for the most part but like everybody's insecure and then she's also coming out of a traumatic relationship where the ex-boyfriend would put her down for her weight like that wears on you and ask me how I know (laughs) right yeah it sounds like a very real character so yeah I think that's very just really dumb dumb criticisms of some people and what do they want they want you know not every main character is going to be exuding confidence since that if every yeah. story was like that, it'd be pretty damn boring in the world, right? I mean, it's yeah. really. I have to agree. Like, and I, that's why I tried to make my characters very relatable because I was like, I've read enough of the, of the like stereotype of you know we're both perfect and we fall perfectly in love and everything right. is perfect and then perfection oozes from our pores. Right, those are fun too, but they're not the only thing out there. (laughs) No. And yeah, they're not necessarily reflective of life either. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I I did eventually learn to just kind of be like, okay, about, about the criticism of rain, but I did have a lot of a hard time with it at first. Yeah. It's hard. Especially sometimes these people leave reviews and it's like, they don't realize how much work it is to write a story to create it and go through all of this. And then, you know, they're just I don't know. They're so like extra judgmental or like, just like, just, I don't know, weird. Some people are just plain mean on top of that. Like I had, I don't have a ton of reviews on it because I'm new to all of it. So like promoting and stuff is hard for me. I don't have a ton of reviews on lights, but the only one that really got under my skin, like that really kind of like upset me because, you know, I was getting consistently like those reviews about, you know, rain has too much insecurity, whatever. Mm. And they were fine. I was like, okay, whatever. But this one person left me and it was a three-star review. So it wasn't a terrible review, but they left the review. And at first it was just like the generic, like thing that everybody else said. It was like, you know, the sex scenes were hot. That's why I left it three stars, but the plot was kind of unoriginal and then it was like, but I just didn't like rain. Like, I just didn't care what happened to her. And that was fine. It was, it was like a little disappointing, but it was fine. But then like they came back and edited the review like a couple of weeks later, add all this other stuff that they didn't like about the book. Wow. And that's the only one that ever bothered me. Like, cause I was like, okay, at first I got it, but now it's like, you're just being mean. Like it was like, well, I didn't like Damon either because he did this in a past relationship and mentions it. And, and I didn't like, 
that everybody said swear words and I <laughs> oh my gosh oh, this, wow this constant swearing gets really old and I was like well I don't know what you expected when you opened up a <laughs> book about a rock star in a BDSM relationship no like, kidding right <laughs> <laughs> oh like clueless there it was so funny too because she said like or they I don't know you know the their review name is like generic so I don't know if it's a man or a woman but mm. they put even Rain's mom swore and I was like well my mom swears like <laughs> I don't understand like why somebody's mom swearing is like unreasonable <laughs> that's so odd that sounds like a really odd person I don't know <laughs> and then so, also we got to remember too these people are coming at reading our book and reviewing it they're coming with their own set of experiences and their own horrible things that have happened in life and that's gonna sometimes shape the way they react to a book but yeah, I just for sure what I don't really get is when people decide to leave a bad review unless you're really like offended or you really hate it or, you know you could just get your money back why do you have to bash the writer Right. Yeah. I, I have not gotten like a really bad review yet. And I'm thankful for that because I don't, I don't understand terrible reviews. Like, unless it's like a book that's super bad in a way that it's going to hurt other people. Right. In which case, you know, yeah, you, you're going to warn somebody like, don't waste your money on this terrible book. But like, sure. for the most part, if it's just something that you didn't like, because it's not your genre, or you don't like swear words, or, you know, like, right, whatever, like, why are you going to do that? Just move on. <laughs> just move on. I know. Or I hate the reviews that'll like, say all this bad stuff about it. And then in the last sentence, they'll say, but I'm going to read the next book. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> that's pretty please, fucked up <laughs> please don't read my next book like <laughs> you have all this bad stuff to say about it why the why the hell would you want to read the second book it's, just, it's not consistent so then it just seems like it's just like someone's taking jabs you know like yeah, I just I don't get that <laughs> people are so fucking weird like so, I know right I don't know what the what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I don't know people and some people get a big complex like their opinion is like so important you know like oh my gosh I know it's so <laughs> like freaking hilarious to me like so like I have people in my inner circle that are like that you know like yeah. where they're like well I don't like that so it shouldn't exist and I'm just right. like what the fuck? <laughs> it's pretty damn arrogant if you ask me yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man yeah you just gotta let it roll off your back because sometimes people are just fucking stupid yeah I have totally like developed a way thicker skin in the last year that lights has been out because I have, I'm really insecure too, but I, I've had a lot of abuse in my past and stuff that made me that way. So I, mm -hmm. I've learned to overcome a lot of that, but I, I am pretty like timid. Like I'm very, and I'm kind of an introvert anyway. Like I'm very like, please don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, uh, I do okay with like interviews and Twitter and, and things where I don't have to like really interact with people, but like, sure. you know, cause like I can do an interview and be like, like you'd never know that I'm like the most introverted person ever. Right. Um, but criticism's hard for me. And then like I have like triggers, you know, too. Like like any people with trauma, you know, have. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I really had to learn to like separate my life as a writer from my life as like Jackie. <laughs> right. I think that's uh, yeah, that's a good thing to do if you can manage to do that. Yeah. And not have it 
affect you personally when someone does talk about your work. It's hard though, like like you say, if you're taking a portion of yourself and you know sort of molding it or fitting it into this character and then these people are like cutting it down, it it does feel personal. Yeah, it did feel personal with with, with that particular character especially because so much of her comes from me. Like yeah, it's kind of silly cuz like I wrote that book as an original fiction, but my friends know and like pretty much everybody at this point knows like it's basically like one of my fan fictions. It's just with different mm. characters. Like sure, sure. It was my fantasy that I, I wanted to kind of create this story. Like, you know, I do have a very really embarrassing crush on like a singer. And like, <laughs> I was like, what would happen if, if we got together? And then I mean it's probably not what happened in that book at all, but the idea was like if this perfect fantasy that I created in my head you know (laughs) yeah I think that's a fun fun launching pad for a book even if it doesn't follow what you wanted it to or where you would want it to in real life it's it's a a launching launching pad for a story yeah so like there's a lot of me in 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 it so when people were like I hate her I was like hurts a lot (laughs) I know right and it's cold I mean you know and then I always think too like characters throughout time there are characters that people hate, right? Yeah. It's not really such a bad thing, except for when you feel like it's an attack on you. But I mean, think about how many horrible characters are so memorable through movies, through stories. And so when you get under someone's skin with a character, you know, I've learned to be like, whether it's positive or negative, I'm like, yeah, I got under their skin. Yeah, I guess that's (laughs) a good, I actually really like that perspective. I'm going to try to adopt that a little bit because- Especially when you're dealing with things like weight, you know, there's still so many people that are so hateful about people's weight. It's kind of like, well, she's a success then because she she made her impact on you with her true experience as somebody who's overweight. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, it made you uncomfortable. And it's like, well, how do you think it feels to live? Right. You affected someone. That's another way to look at it, too. You have written it so thoroughly that you affected them in, in a way. And it may not be a may not be a positive glowing way. They're like, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. But you impacted them. You made a difference. And what you said, what you created, it did impacted them enough for them to say something. And that is also valuable in its own way. If you can separate it from yourself, it's one way to look at it, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's actually a really good perspective to have. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So do you have any other long-term goals you want to talk about? Or do you kind of feel like you've covered that topic? My long-term, I don't really have long-term goals. I I'm kind of like a, if I get through today kind of goal person. So yeah, sure. this, like right now, my longest term goal is to get this trilogy finished. Right. And so I'm working on it. A lot of really bad days where I'm just like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I almost didn't put the first book out because about halfway through the writing process for it, we got hit with a pandemic. Mm, right. <laughs> and I was like, nobody's going to want to read about this life before masks and six mm. feet apart. Like, and then after a little while, it occurred to me that people would want to read that and like get right. out of this disaster that we've been in for the last couple of years. Exactly. But at first I was just like, is anybody even going to, because I knew like now, even now I watch like 
TV or, or old shows. And I'm like, look at all these people just walking around, touching each other. <laughs> I know, right? What's going on. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But I, I refuse to write in the way uh, people are wearing masks. Like I'm never going to write that way. I know that yeah, for a fact. I don't think I will either because I, I mean, first of all, I write romance. Right. You know, and it's like, I know that there've been some COVID romances out there now. And and Mm -hmm. I actually read one that was not bad. It was actually quite a good story, but it was a little bit, there wasn't like a lot of the masks and stuff because it takes place like right at the beginning of the pandemic and, and, you know, the couple gets together and they move in together. And and so they're together, like they're not masking up and stuff like that. And it was just a short story and it was pretty good. It was a little erotic. It was, it was really good. And But I know there's been a lot of like the COVID like romances and I'm like, I'm never going to do that. I can't. First of all, I'm so tired of, I'm so tired now of it that like, if I tried to write a book about it, it would just be, it would sound like an anti-masker or something. (laughs) I'm really not one of those people. Like I really feel (laughs) like, you know, please do what you're supposed to do. But, but I've gotten so tired and fatigued now that I'm just like, who fucking cares? Exactly. <laughs> yes. I totally get that. Exactly. And I don't want it in my writing. I just, yeah, I'm not exactly. going there. And I'm then not going there. The whole thing of, I write mostly ro- romance, rock star romance stuff. And like, let me tell you the difference because I've been a, like self-proclaimed groupie for a long time. <laughs> and before COVID, you know, the, the particular singer that, inspired the story like I he knows me on site like he recognized me when he sees me um <laughs> you know I had so many meet and greets with him I've talked to him so many times and I always talk to him like biggest freaking loser ever like I giggle it's so <laughs> gross it's disgusting <laughs> uh, but, but he's like he, he recognizes me now like he remembers me so when other people mentioned that they know me like I don't even have to be there and he knows who they're talking about Oh wow! So like, <laughs> I I used to do the meet and greets every time I went to see their band, and you know, like whatever, and get my like I would give them hugs, and like we talk like friends, and except for with him because I get weird, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I talk to the other guys like friends, and I went to see them last year in December. There's no meet and greets because of COVID. Yeah, and. There was one time before where I went to see them and their bus was parked in the parking lot next to the venue. And he came out and talked to me in the parking lot just like for a minute, like I didn't have to pay for it or anything. It was just wow. like I got to talk to him. Nice. I had this really cute picture and, you know, he was really sweet to me and I was shaking everywhere and he was laughing at me. <laughs> it was really fun. Like it was, it was great. Wow. That's pretty cool. And then when I went last year, he saw me, their bus was in the parking lot at that venue and he came out and saw me and he waved at me from across the lot and then went and got in the bus. Yeah. And it was like, well, I mean, he knew I was there. He waved at me. He was still like as nice as he was able to be mm-hmm. in the circumstances, but like it's, it's changed a lot. Like you could never write a believable rock star romance during COVID. You just, no, <laughs> exactly. People, like, because yeah. they have to yeah. consider their careers, their health, their the yes. whole crew of people that travel with them. Like it's right. And if they get sick, well, I mean, that's just a big problem. Yeah. So they're not yeah. getting near people for the most part. Like, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, I can understand that. It's sad, but I get it. It was surreal. Like it was really odd. I just, I remember being so excited when he first saw me and waved at me. And then like after a minute, I was like, but there was a time where he would have come over and given me a yeah. hug and talked to me and, you know, like. Right. 
And then I felt sad. <laughs> I know. Let's hope it swings back the other way eventually, right? Yeah, I hope so. Because man, I I miss that like stuff not just not just like hugging band guys which I mean I'm not gonna lie I miss that a lot but (laughs) there's a lot of other things I miss too like I miss being able to go to the grocery store without anxiety right (laughs) yeah see it has really increased people's anxiety that is so true that is so true and it's gotten like so bad now I've had COVID twice oh have you and the first Sorry. time it was like really early on, nobody knew what was going on. We barely knew anything about it. That okay. that time was rough. I was really, really sick. I almost got sent to the hospital. Not quite, like I barely avoided it, but like I, I was really, really sick. I'm reliant on inhalers now because my lungs just really took a hit with that. Bummer. And so I got it again, actually, probably at that concert. Oh, <laughs> went to last year because I uh, I flew out to a a different state and mm. uh, you know that they, they didn't really have any precaution like mandates oh, or anything and, and gotcha. so mm-hmm. like there was no masks or anything like that and I didn't wear my mask inside the concert which was my own decision so like I own why I ended up with COVID yeah, again but sure I sure. was vaxxed and everything I got my vaccines and stuff but I didn't wear my mask inside the concert because I was like I just want to be normal for like two hours playing. Exactly. Yep. I get it. So I ended up with getting COVID again over Christmas, which it wasn't as bad the second time though I had to say. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Let's hope it goes away or at least gets better or something. It kind of swings back the way it used to be. That's my hope. Yeah. I'm just hoping it eventually just turns into like the flu or whatever and you just get year and Right. I mean, you know, it may never be as mild as a cold, which for some people it actually is, but it, you know, if it was just like a flu, it'd yeah. be much better. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping for. Cause I'm ready to kind of, I know like it's never going to really be normal again. Too much has changed now, but mm-hmm. I'm ready to get back to some form of normalcy. <laughs> right. So do you have any authors that have like influenced you or you feel like they really have impacted your writing? You know, it's kind of funny because even though like I write romance books myself, which I had to like learn a lot about them as I was trying to write them. My favorite, like my favorite author is, is Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> and so I read a lot of Stephen King, his son, Joe Hill, like he writes really good books too, but they're all horror. Like it's all horror. Sure. Um, so it was like, I think I'd be a horror writer, but I barely <laughs> dipped my toes into horror last year. Sure. And it was, it was a good little start, but it's not the best horror story that ever was. Right. Um, so it's kind of funny. I don't really have any like romance author influence because like I would like read, I kind of read whatever I want. Like mm-hmm. I read Twilight when I was a kid and I was like really into it. I Like as an adult, I look back on that. And I'm like, yeah, those, those stories are pretty bad. But when I was a teenager, like, they were awesome. (laughs) Right. Oh, yes. I read so many what I would consider bad, trashy little romance novels when I was a teenager, too. I mean, I went through like stacks of them, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It was damn fun. It was fun. Yeah, they're fun. They're they're exciting. And you're like, you know, oh, it's a vampire. That's hot. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Definitely fun. I read those and I read the Hunger Games and I read stuff like when it gets hyped up so I can see if it's worth the hype. And then, you know, that's how you end up with that other 
characters we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Not naming names, but. <laughs> right, exactly. Everybody knows anyways, right? Yeah. <laughs> it um, made that big of a dent. And so I, I read stuff that's popular, but then I also just kind of read what I want. So I don't have any really specific influences, I guess. I think probably every book I've ever read has at some point influenced my writing in one way or another, you know. It took me a long time to find my own style of writing. I can remember when I first started writing fan fictions, I would copy like other authors' styles a mm. little bit. Mm. And then until I eventually figured out how to do it myself, like where I wrote the way I write. And it's sure. to me. So probably a lot of authors, a lot of different books that I read, I would see like something in that writing style that I really liked and I would try to imitate it kind of. And Eventually, I stopped imitating anybody because I just started writing in my own way. So yeah, I can I can totally imagine what you're saying. And I also feel like the more you read, it kind of like just through like osmosis, like gets into your body, and and you they influence your writing. You don't even realize it. But yeah, uh, yeah. But the more you read, I think it's better. The more you read, the more you write, the better you're gonna write. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, I wish I could still read the way I used to when I was younger. I could consume books, but. Now right. I've had so many years of untreated mental illness and stuff, and I, I just can't focus well enough to read all the time. I did. The last book I read was actually The Orchid and the Lion by Gabe. I can't think of his last name. Oh, right Hargraves. Now. Yeah, I, I interviewed yeah. him too. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard his interview. And, oh, did you? Um, oh, nice. That was actually how I found you, which is pretty cool. So, Oh, that is cool. Now, see, I still have to read his book, and I'm excited to read it. Yeah, that was the last book I read. I read it over the New Year like period, and it took me maybe two or three days. Mm, okay, it was the fastest I've read a book in a long time. But it, I mean, it was good. It was a really amazing book. So yeah, I well, I heard his excerpt obviously because he read I think chapter seven, and I like yeah. that. So yeah, I need to take some time and read it because I'm just curious. It's such a unique storyline. Yeah, it was. It was really something different, really refreshing. And, and it was just such a positive book. Like, yeah, sure. uh, yeah. you know, and it had conflict, of course, like, because every good story needs conflict and it had good conflict and engaging conflict. But mm -hmm. overall, it was so positive. It was so like, you know, ex accepting and, and body positive. And, and it was the first book that I read that was really like, deeply like a queer novel, you know, where like pretty much most of the characters are queer in some way mm -hmm. yep so it was a new experience for me and I hate to like say like well I've never really like delved into queer romance before but I kind of haven't I've read a few that had like a little bit of queerness sure I mostly write head row because that's my experience like mm -hmm. I I like bisexual but I don't have a lot of experience other than with men so sure <laughs> I get it yep so I, that's what I write because I kind of like write what I know. But mm -hmm. I was really just really, really impressed with Gabe's book. Like it was amazing. And I was just, I couldn't put it down. And there was like a lot of like things that I wouldn't normally have thought that I would have enjoyed in that book, but it was just so well done. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was I, great. I think that he would love that feedback very much. <laughs> yeah, he, he probably would. He's such a nice, sweet guy. He is. Yeah, and his book is in the 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 pigtails right yeah, now as, yeah, a, as a finalist, which is awesome. I'm excited for him for that. Me too. I voted for it in the semifinals or the last round, but I got to go. Okay. Vote for 
Yeah, it's it's in this it's in the next round. So yeah, definitely gotta vote for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have really enjoyed talking with you. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about or touch on before we end? Yeah, the only thing that I just kind of want to throw out my new book, Heat of the Lights, a sequel to When the Lights Go Out, is coming out on April 19th. It's gonna be available on Kindle Unlimited, and then it's gonna also be in paperback and hardcover through Amazon. I'm super stoked to put it out like most of the time. Some days I'm just like, I'm never going to fucking write again, but (laughs) I'm really, really excited. And it's kind of, it's kind of bittersweet because I I put it, I chose that date, April 19th, because it's close to my birthday. My birthday is the 24th. Oh, And I I was like, you know, it'll be like a birthday celebration. And then after I selected the date, I realized that April 19th was my grandpa's birthday. Uh, And he passed away about a year and a half ago oh, sure. and it was really hard when he you know when we lost him so it's kind of bittersweet to have my book released on his birthday sure. um, but I'm really excited to put it out there and then I really hope that people will read and enjoy when the lights go out because I worked really really hard on it. now do you have it in pre-sale right now or are you not doing pre-sale I do have pre-sale for Heat of the Lights. I, I meant to send over the link and I totally forgot because I have squirrel brain. But oh, I'll get it. I, I'll get it because I'm actually an affiliate for Amazon anyway. So I'll stick it down in the podcast notes so that people can access it for, for both of the books. Or if I can fit all of them in there, I'll try to fit them all in there. Heck, why not? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about helping promote people and just try to get their books out there and make it easy for people to find your books. Yeah, I had I had the first lights book running for a sale from the seventh until Valentine's because it came out on the seventh and then Valentine's Day and it's a romance. But the sale ended. I didn't really get too many sales on it, which I was a little disappointed. But right. it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I recently started using the uh, Story Origin app. It's really really great for people who are doing self publishing. It's it's relatively cheap too. I think it's like. Is it eight bucks a month? But it just it really helps spread your book around. So I always like to tell people about that. And I, you know, I'm not getting any kickback for saying it. I started using it, I don't know, maybe in January, but it's just really it's a fabulous platform to help grow your 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 readership because the yeah. thing is you can share readerships between authors. And so you're getting in front of people who already are reading buying and reading books. Yeah. So consider yeah, that. Check it out. Look, it's yeah. it's fantastic. <laughs> it was called Story Origin. Story Origin app. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely have to look into that. It's worth the money. Let me tell you. It's definitely worth the money. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I, I've been trying real hard on Twitter and like Instagram and Instagram is just like useless. Like <laughs> I know. Like, right. And you can't put a link there either, which is so irritating. I mean, you can do a one up in your you know, your profile, but you can't put a link for like, yeah. a book. you know, there's nowhere yeah, to do that. You can do that on Twitter, but yeah, I have the link on my, I have like a link tree on my Instagram profile. Mm-hmm. So you can find all my links there, but it is really frustrating. And then plus, like I had a lot of issues with Instagram when I was first trying to promote when the lights go out. Cause like I did one of the grids for my cover, like, so that when it, when you open my page, like it would be on like the full cover on there and stuff. Mm, sure. And they they tried to like flag me for nudity and I was like I mean I don't oh, see the yeah. cover for my book but it's my legs they're so <laughs> picky aren't they they're ridiculously picky I just it drives me and, bonkers 
the thing that was really funny about it is the most skin that's on that cover is my legs, my two legs. Up in the <laughs> they complain and about then, legs. Okay, whatever. Like, there, there's the guitar in the background, but the piece of the grid that they actually flagged for nudity was picked like the picture, the part of the picture of my stomach and I'm wearing a dress. Oh, you can't geez. see anything at all. Like you can barely oh even gosh. tell that it's like stomach because it's dark, like it's a dark cover. So you so barely feel, and they try to put like this goes against our nudity standards. And I was like, I saw somebody <laughs> on here like with a butt plug in. Like, what are you talking about? But, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's totally inconsistent. <laughs> I mean, hell, I've seen porn on there. I mean, come on, I flat yeah. out seen porn clips on Instagram. Yeah, me too. I've seen some stuff on Instagram, and and it's funny because they're supposedly like, because you know, on Twitter, you know, on Twitter, if you're scrolling, you're taking the chance that you're going to get met. Exactly. With porn, like, it's gonna, gonna it's gonna come up eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but like on Instagram, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know, right? You're like, whoa, look at that. There we go. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> it's just it's just the part of the culture and you just deal with it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean I have I'm all good. I have no problem with porn. I have, you know, porn exists in my life during it has a time and a place in my life. Yes. Sometimes it is a little jarring when I'm like scrolling Twitter and I'm like, oh, like, you know, there are books coming out. Oh, like, that's a cat. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, that's a dick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's almost like it's comical if you think about it. You're like, oh, look at that, a puppy. Oh, there's a cock. You know, like, yes. what? <laughs> It's hilarious. <laughs> only on Twitter, man. Only on Twitter. <laughs> uh, exactly. I know. I gotta love Twitter. <laughs> At least they're a little bit more lenient than everybody else. They're not so dang picky, but yeah, no, I appreciate it too because especially because Twitter is pretty open and you can pretty much post what you want on there. And it's really mm -hmm. like a good platform for like sex workers and yeah, things like that. People who, you know, like with OnlyFans and stuff, because you know, yep. I am so like sex work is real work and yep, yep. they get a way harder like run of it because so many places want to try to act like what they do is terrible and dirty and filthy and yep. it's really not shit I had an OnlyFans it didn't really work out for me because I, I am not like, promotion and I'm awkward but sure I uh, the girls the girls and guys that are making it on there like mm -hmm. I I think it's great that Twitter has lets them have a platform to oh, yeah good for them go for it they yeah. want to do it I say do it yeah yeah. <laughs> and it's in demand. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep doing it. They wouldn't be making money. You know what I exactly. mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep, exactly. It's a money maker and it's making the money and they're making a living. So just freaking leave them alone, people. Yeah, I know. I wish people like my whole like thing and, and like in life in general is just like it's none of my fucking business. Right. <laughs> I get it. Yes, I agree. And I'm just not judgmental. I'm like, if they want to do it, go for it. Yeah, like I'm just like you do what works for you, and like I'm not ever gonna be like that's that's disgusting. Or, no, right. I don't give I don't give a shit. It's not my business. And if you're making money and you're supporting your family, then then good. That's good for you. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> this has Sorry. been so much fun. Thank you so much for talking with me, and good luck with your launch. It's so it's fun. It's a lot of work, but it's still fun and it's exciting. Yeah. It is exciting. And thank you so much for having me. I had a really great time. This was like a really fun podcast and I appreciate because it was, you know, we could talk about sex and smut. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
I'm all in for all of that. (laughs) Well, you have an amazing day and thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Yeah, thank you. And you have a great day too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the excerpt from Jackie Mojica. When the lights go out, check it out on Amazon. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. You can find all of Jackie's links down in the podcast notes, as well as mine down in my link tree. You can access all of my links. And my books are also on Amazon. Also my erotic audio books. I hope that you enjoyed this and I hope you have an amazing, sexy fucking day. Love ya. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.